0: today's reading. This is the third Sunday in Advent. We talk about it being joy. And you know, it fits perfect, right? What can be more, bring you more joy than to know that God always answers? Because I know we live in a world where we feel like sometimes we're being ignored, amen? Or we feel like we haven't been heard. But I want to tell you this morning that God always, always answers. And actually that's what this reading is about. <coughs> I know that um I've heard the message preached on this whole on this whole section because they try to make Joseph into kind of a hero, right? You know, that Joseph is 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 going to get rid of Mary. That's what he was supposed to do because well, they hadn't done anything allegedly. Amen. He She'd come to him for protection, and now all of a sudden she's pregnant, and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> what, what, what do I do with this? So here's the reading. It comes from the first chapter of Matthew, it's beginning with the 18th verse. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they enjoyed their wedding night, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, to grin, but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. I'm going to stop there just so you know, so we catch you up. There were two options here. One, they were going to leave and put her into hiding where nobody knew her. We call that witness protection today. And the reason that that was an option is because the other option was that she would have been stoned for committing an act of adultery. So when you hear that phrase, marry not be disgraced, it's a really serious, life-threatening issue that they find themselves in. And while Joseph was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. And God's angel spoke in the dream, saying, quote, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves because he will save the people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's embryonic revelation to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is Hebrew, for God is with us. And then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until he had the baby. And he named the baby Jesus. Okay, so one little editorial comment. You know, we've all been around, you've all been around talking and having these conversations, and all of a sudden somebody gives you a little piece of information, and somebody in the room says, TMI, right? Too much information. I'm not sure what Matthew's point was in telling us, that the uh, marriage wasn't consummated, but I wanted, as soon as I read that line, I wanted to sit there and go, TMI. I, I didn't need to know that. What I did need to know was that Joseph didn't give up. And see, now I know there's lots of stories out there about, um, about, they're going to spend a lot of time about the virgin birth and the, the, the pregnancy and, And and Joseph being some kind of hero. But actually, I think there's another side of this story that I want us to listen to. And the reason I want us to listen to it is because it's the reason this church has lasted 25 years. And the reason for that is because God always, always answers. Have you noticed? Go ahead. Yes? No, go ahead. All right, so I'm going to give you three examples of God always answering. Because I can tell you right now that if, you, if you've ever been in a position where you don't think God is listening to you, then you need to remember these stories. If you've ever been in a position where you think that God has abandoned you, you need to listen to these stories. And one of them, we're going to turn the clock back almost 40 years, amen? I mean, there was a point in my life where things were not going well at all. The Pastor, <laughs> you, you wouldn't have wanted to know me back in those days. Uh, there, <laughs> To say that I was drinking too much is just being polite. To say that I was angry at the world uh, is putting it mildly. There were lots of things going wrong in my life, and there was a point in my life where I was this close, this close to checking out. And I've always said that even in that moment, because I had been baptized Catholic, and in those days the only thing worse than being gay, as far as the Roman Catholic was concerned, was what? Was to take your own life. And so on the night that I decided that I was going to check out, I had some words to say to God, and that was between shots of Jack Daniels. Uh, By the time I got towards the end of my rant, if you will, towards God, uh, there had been this decision that I was leaving Chicago and I was going to go to Cincinnati, and my last words to God at that point is, and I don't even know why I'm going to Cincinnati. There's no reason for me to go to Cincinnati. I'm not going to have transportation, I don't have a job, and I'm not going to be in a relationship And God. Quite frankly, at this point, I don't care whether it's a man or a woman, I just need to be with somebody, and you know that. So God, you think you're so good, if I go, give me one of those things and I'll go back to ministry, which, you know, I couldn't do because I was gay. And you know, the Jack Daniels took over at that point. And as you know, I didn't end up taking my life. What happened, though, is I got down to Cincinnati. And within the first month that I was there, I had a job. I bought, used the last, what was a couple hundred dollars I had. We bought that Pontiac. And I had met, are you ready for this? I had met him. And all of a sudden, it kind of occurred to me, uh uh-oh, Maybe God did hear me. And so I went to Billy and I told him about my whole rant and all that kind of stuff. And he said, well, there's this thing called MCC, right? And I had no idea what MCC was. Billy says, "For it's a, it's a gay church. Said, yeah, okay, right. We got there late. And I'll tell you now, the first words I heard as we walked into that building was behold, I have done this new thing. Do you not perceive it? God always answers. In my first church in Toledo, age was tearing up our community. It was literally taking people out, two and three people okay. <coughs> a week. Hospitals didn't know what to do. They were scared to death of the disease. They made it so that you practically had to have a hazmat suit to walk into a room. The help was scared to death. They weren't cleaning the rooms. I had a person in my church that laid in his own waste for days at a time. And then ultimately, as the disease ravaged his brain, he got to a point where the only way I can describe this to you folks is it's like life big dys- dyslexia. You know, you, you're you familiar with dyslexia, which you turn letters around. Man, this was like life for him was that. No matter how he laid in the bed, it wasn't right. He'd go into the bathroom and you open the door this way, right? When he come out, the door opened this way. Now he's not in the right room. He was pretty convinced that everything they had attached to his arm was poison. And for his waking hours, all he would say for the entire time that he was awake, it's not right. It's not right. He, they, they got to the point where they had to tie him down to the bed. And believe me, folks, back then, this is, this is almost 35 years ago, They didn't understand relationships like they understand them now. And so his partner was so many times was kept away from him. He couldn't get into the room. And we finally pushed that issue so that his partner could come and see him after work. As Terry went downhill, as he got sicker, that obnoxious beat, like somebody beating a drum. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. right. It's not right. It's not right. Terry's partner arrived one day at about 5 o'clock after he got off of work. Came into the room, walked around to the side of Terry and took hold of his hand. And all of a sudden Terry stopped his mantra of it's not right. And he looked dead on into his partner's eyes. And he says, you know, I know that it's not right. But I do know this. I love you. And with that, he died. God always answers. This church, in its 25 years, has had its share of incredible visitors. I wrote in my blog, if you want to go back and look at it, the three visitors, especially that we had. We had one visitor by the name of Corey Hoblet. We met him when he was in Cobb County Jail. And I'll tell you what, he was as wild and crazy as there was. And I thought at the time, this guy is hopeless. He liked his pot. He liked him some beer. Amen? He also didn't think he belonged to God. And so as we talked about that Over a period of time, he finally put it in front of me. He says, I want to be a deacon. And I looked at him and I said, Corey, you're going to have to do a little work to do that. And he said, okay. And in the process of Corey becoming a deacon in this church, this church learned a lot of things. This is why I talk about the visitors from God. Because Corey taught us how not to be judgmental. You know how you look down your nose at people that do drugs? How you look down your nose at people that are alcoholics? How you look down your nose at people that have got Issue. issues that are not your issues? And how you sit there and think, wow, if they would just. Corey taught us that God reaches out and touches everyone. God always Answers. <coughs> we had a man by the name of Harris show up to church one Sunday, saw the food sitting out on the table, was hungry, decided he was going to have a sandwich. And one of our deacons slapped the back of his hand and said, that's for after church. And Mr. Harris looked at her and said, well, fine, I'll endure the sermon. And then after service, you know, I went up and I started talking to him because obviously he was homeless. In fact, he was staying in one of the encampments just on the other side of this park. Wanted to know how he got homeless. Well, he liked beer and he liked cocaine. Right? And he wanted to get off the streets, but he couldn't find anybody that would take him. And I looked at him and said, and this is, again, how God works with you when you don't even know God is working with you. I looked at him and said, well, Charles, you come back here next week. And tell me you haven't done anything, drank or used Coke for that seven-day period, and I can get you off the street. One of my deacons at that point was looking at me after the service, and he said, What the hell did you just say to him? And I said, Well, first of all, he's not coming back. And then he was here to get food. He got what he needed. We're not going to see him again. So here we are, get ready for church the next week, and I look out there. See that road out there? I see this individual walking down with a little hop to his gate. And I was like, oh my God. And he gets here and we get to prayer and praise time, just like you saw, Alice. And he was the first one out of the chute, hand up in the air, practically jumps up at the table and said, I want to praise God because it's been seven days since I drank alcohol or used cocaine. Thank God. We had a cell phone. Thank God for Clifton Sanctuary Ministries having an open bed. They were able to take Charles. And Charles, in that time that he was there, not only stayed in recovery, but got a job and eventually ended up with his own place to live. God always answers. Then our third visitor, was this rather rotund individual who had been part of the Roman Catholic Church, and of course they told him that he was no longer welcome to be a priest because, well, you know, he was gay. His wife divorced him because he was, well, you know, he was gay. And he showed up at our church one Sunday, and actually I think he'd been here a couple of times, uh, and he was always trying to impress us with his uh, catechism and all of those kinds of things. We had a particular service. We had just barely moved outside, if you remember, right? We had just barely moved outside. We weren't at the pavilion. We were up in that green space up there, and uh, this young man sits there in the middle of service. We get to prayer and praise. It seems like this always happens, prayer and praise. He raises a prayer concern that he does not have a place to live, that he is about to be out on the street. one of the people in our church, for some reason or another, moved by the Spirit, said, hey, you're not homeless, you're coming home with me. And that's where he lived until he passed away. And we learned how to be open beyond denominational stuff. Amen? Because he struggled with that. But again, that day he put out a cry that he didn't have a place, and somebody heard it and said, okay, come with me. That took guts, folks. But that is also proof that God is always listening. What I want you to do today, as you walk away from this place, as you get ready to go with your week, understand what this Advent journey is all about. It's about preparation. It's about turning around And now today it is understanding that no matter what you are faced with, no matter what the challenge, no matter where you're going, no matter what you're faced with, God will answer you. And the proof of that is December 25th when the Christ event arrives. God bless you.